Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Rod and for the gift and ministry that you've given to him. Lord, we pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him as he brings the word to us. And Lord, we pray that you will give us open ears, open hearts, open minds to receive and respond to the word you have for us today so that all the glory will go to you. Amen. Right. Well, you might be saying, what's this got to do with 1 Corinthians? It hasn't got anything to do with 1 Corinthians, except it's all in the Scriptures. <laughs> so we're, I, we're having a little pause from 1 Corinthians at the moment. Um, as uh, I think Jim, who's not here, remarked, I'd drawn the short straws the last couple of times I spoke, um, although it was great actually digging into the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6, but we're having a little pause, and um, there's the title of today's talk, Restoring the Kingdom. So we're in Acts chapter 1. I've got a picture to show you. Now, that building was my infant school. Ah. Actually, it's in Dorking, in Surrey, which is where we lived before I was eight years old, and then we moved to Leiston. Um, and uh, I went on the internet uh, and found this picture. And do you know, although I was there years ago, <laughs> uh, it looks exactly as I remember it. You know, some places change out of all recognition. But on, on the left, you can just see the, the little cloakroom where we used to hang our hats and coats, you know. And then there was the main classroom in the front. And then on the right, the storeroom. And then over the wall is the cricket ground where on a Wednesday afternoon in summer, I could just about see over the wall and see my dad playing cricket for Dorking. Ah. <laughs> And, I mean, I saw it, I said, it's, it's just as it was. I mean, obviously, it's been painted, I imagine, since. Uh, but it's just as it was. And you think, why am I showing you that picture? Well, every Ascension Day, we used to have to go from the school to the local church, because it was Church of England school, and we had a service... And seeing that my parents at that time went to an Elim church, which literally met in a tin hut, going to Church of England was an experience that I just didn't know what was going on. But the amazing thing was that after that we had the day off. <laughs> and that's what I remember. Uh, but it's ascension. And actually... A lot of the church last, this past Thursday would have, have remembered that Jesus ascended into heaven, but it's often a forgotten festival, isn't it? It's one we neglect. We go from Easter to Pentecost, and we, not that we forget, but we don't really celebrate that ten days before Pentecost, Jesus ascended into heaven. So I'm going to deal with a little bit of what happened that day when Jesus ascended. So look, Acts chapter 1. Luke writes, in my for former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, 
he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Ujjajir and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he'd said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom, Israel? It puts you that there are four errors in their question. One, what? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? To Israel. And I believe they were mistaken about what sort of kingdom they were expecting. Two, when? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Three, where? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And four, who? Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Ah, so four, four, what, when, where, who? So, what kind of kingdom? You know, Israel, the Jews have a sad history. I'm going to pick it up, just going to run through one or two things. They have a really sad history, really, even though uh, it should have been different. 587, this is before Christ, of course, 587, Jerusalem fell. Now, there had been uh, deportations before that, and way before that, the northern ten tribes of Israel had been taken into captivity by the Assyrians and, and actually were never seen again. So in 587, after some deportations, Jerusalem was razed to the ground by the Babylonians, and uh, many were taken into captivity. Then in 538, Cyrus, who became ruler, Cyrus the Persian, who, who conquered Babylon, Cyrus issued a decree, you can go back to uh, back to your home, back to Jerusalem, back to Judea. So the return, people began to return from exile back home. 
but they were under Persian rule. They, they were not free. They were just a province. It was, they, were, they were being oppressed, even though they'd gone back home, even though under Ezra and Nehemiah the, the walls were rebuilt, the temple was rebuilt, uh, e- even though there were prophets like Haggai Malachi, uh, and Zechariah and Malachi, they were under Persian rule. Well, not a glorious time. And then, now we're, we're beyond the Old Testament here, in 336 years before Christ, they came under Greek rule. I mean, Palestine, Israel, you know where it is in the world. It was always a, a place where armies trudged to and fro. And, and if you read the book of Daniel and you read history, you can see how Greek armies marched this way and Greek armies marched the other way and all the rest of it. And they were, they were under Greek rule of one form or another. And then in 166 BC, Judas Maccabeus came to the fore and they fought against their oppressors and they got a sort of independence. And it was a bit of a glorious time, but it was short-lived really. Uh, and, and when I say independence, oh, they were still being oppressed and armies were still marching through. It's so complicated. And then in 64 years before Christ, BC, BCE, however you want to uh, express it, they came under Roman occupation. Not very glorious. Not at all. Not at all. So what did that mean? It means this. In Jesus' day, many Jews were looking for this. They were looking for a full return from exile. You see, even then, there were more Jews living outside of Judea and Galilee than there were living there. Even then. And many others said, oh God, we want a real return. We want something to happen. And they wanted freedom. Freedom from Roman rule. You know, we look at dates, but even by Jesus' time, they'd been under Roman rule almost 100 years. God set us free. Set us free. We want to be free. Come and establish a new kingdom of David. Oh, they could look back to the, the, the years of David and Solomon and they saw how the kingdom grew and they said, oh God, we long for that again. We long for it. How's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? Oh, we long for the anointed one, the Messiah to come. And that was part of what they felt. You know, oh, This deep, deep, deep longing for God to do something. Then Jesus comes and he talks about the kingdom of God and he does amazing things and the disciples get excited. Is this the one? Is this the man? Are they going to do it? And then he dies. And then he's risen from the dead. Surely this is going to be the time. And although Jesus spent time teaching them about the kingdom of God, you know it takes, it takes a lot of time to unlearn things so that you can learn something new. Let's not sit and criticise the disciples. They had to unlearn so much in order to appreciate the new. So what kind of kingdom 
did Jesus come to bring? Now I could list it, but I'm going to show you a photograph I took last Sunday. Last Sunday, Heather and I were in Serbia. And Sunday afternoon, we went to a place, along with 30-odd other people, to a place called Leskovac, which is in the south of the country. And Nigel's uh, <laughs> been there as well. Um, and we had the most amazing time. We were with a Roma church out on the streets in the Roma section of this town. And you had Roma people, Serbian people, people from Eastern Europe and Western Europe together praising God on the streets and praying for people on the streets. That is the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of righteousness where there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, where there isn't any Roma or Serbian or Englishman or Dutchman or German or the the nationalities that were there. That's righteousness. That's us being together in a right relationship with God. And there was, there was amazing, amazing peace there because we were together, working together, praising God together. And there was tremendous joy. I have never had the experience that we had there to pray for a woman and see her doubled up and stand up straight, just like that. And there were healings all over the place. This is what it's about. This is the kingdom. And their worship would have frightened most of us to death. It began with an... I thought thought we were almost going to hear it this morning when Doug was tuning up on his trumpet. It began with the most amazing trumpet blast and then the guitars and drums were making such a noise, and then everybody yelled. Why? Because they were summoning each other to worship and bringing in the presence of God. And I can only tell you that when we met together in their church, I have never, ever experienced anything like it. The power of God was tangible. And the children, boys and girls from about five years old, maybe less, through to teenage, dancing up and down with joy, spontaneously. That's the kingdom of God. That's the sort of kingdom, all right, it's cultural. I understand all about the culture. But that's the kingdom of God totally different to what the disciples were expecting because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's the kingdom of God and a lot more. 
when will the kingdom come? Lord, are you going to restore at this time? Well, Jesus doesn't say yes and no. He does acknowledge in what he says that one day the kingdom will come in all its fullness. That's not to be denied in what Jesus says. But he does say this. It's not for you, Eleven, or anyone else for that matter, to know the exact dates and time spans that mark this coming out. Yes, there will be signs and all that sort of thing. But it's not for you to know for the Father's timetable. Let's put it that way. That's up to him because he's set it by his own power and authority. So it's not for you to know. Are you going to do it this time? That's not your business. So why do people keep making predictions? People are shaking their heads. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Why do people... Keep making predictions. And you do. You go on the internet, you can find hundreds of predictions, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of predictions about when the world is going to end or when they thought it would have ended and it hasn't. So in 1918, this group of Bible students who eventually became Jehovah's Witness said, the world is going to end or something's going to happen in 1918. And then in 1920, which I haven't put up there, the church believe it or not, the church, they believe, would be annihilated. Because they were anti-church. Well, I was glad that didn't happen. So that, that was then Herbert Armstrong. I've been talking about me being young. I can remember listening to Radio Luxembourg in my bedroom at night. Anybody else used to listen to radio? Oh, well, a few. There was... Bang the gong, bong, you know, this is... And one of the, the programmes early on was this guy, because he founded the Radio Church of God. And he had a, an outfit, and I know that you could send your response to Keynesham, spelled K-E-Y-N-S-H-A-M, Bristol. I remember it! And he made four predictions about the end of the world. first one was in 1936, which was even before Radio Luxembourg, my time, come on. First of four. And then, Edgar Wiseman, 1988. I remember being in Wickford. I know I've said this to people before. I remember through the post there came this little book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Return in Rosh Hashanah in 1988. didn't happen. Supposed to be in September, between September 14th, 16th, something or other. And he revised his opinion and then he pushed the date to October. It didn't happen. And then next year, 89 reasons why the Lord will return in 19... I I don't lie. That's what happened. Uh, Never heard of him again. Of course, a lot of people, including Jerry Falwell, the founder of Moral Majority in America, they thought the world would come crashing to an end in the year 2000, partly because of computers, partly because of the date. Yes, do you remember? We were gonna, everything was going to go... Yeah, everything was going to go belly up in, in, in the year 2000. Why? Well, but because, mainly because of computers. But did they not realise that we got the dates wrong and Jesus was probably born about 7 BC or 5 BC? So even the dates were wrong. Come on. 
And then, my goodness, Harold Camping. You remember this one? This was the last, actually, of his predictions. May the 21st, 2011. Perhaps you don't remember that now, but that went viral on the internet. And the, the guy was then interviewed afterwards, very embarrassed. You saw him on television. But we're getting closer. Now, you better hang on to this one, because we're coming into the future now. <laughs> Hey, that's next Sunday. <laughs> well, I understand that this guy, I've never heard of him, but I understand that he is now thinking he might be wrong because something should have started happening. But if he's right, we're going to have a glorious time next week here. <laughs> but just to cover himself, it could be next year. <laughs> Why do, why do we do that? I know it's funny. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? These are the words of Jesus. No one knows the day or hour. This is what Jesus said. But of course some clever clogs say, well, we don't know the day or hour, but we can know the month and year. What a lot of... I, I've heard it! What a load of rubbish. What did Jesus mean when he said that? He said, you don't, we, no one knows. Period, full stop, end of matter. No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. You think Father might have let them in on it, but no. They don't know. Wait for it. And all the sun. We've got a mystery here because only the Father knows. There's a mystery in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, only the Father knows. You might say, well, now Jesus is back in with his Father, he knows, maybe. But according to the scriptures, when he was here, he didn't know. And we try to be more clever than Jesus. Don't believe a lot of the stuff that's out there, folks. It sounds funny, but there's all sorts of rubbish out there. We don't know. We just don't know. Where? You see, the eleven could only understand the, the kingdom in terms of geographic Israel. Now, Jesus doesn't make any comment here about the future of Israel. The only thing he really said about, about that was that the temple would be destroyed, and that was, that was fulfilled in AD 70. But Jesus is not making any comment here about, about the future of Israel, however we understand that. But the, the eleven could... Only think of a kingdom in terms of geographic Israel on the ground. They, it took ages for them to unlearn, and it took the coming of the Spirit, actually, for, for them to unlearn. But it was always God's intention, always God's intention, to bless the nations through Israel. 
Israel, it was never God's intention that they should keep his blessing, goodness, love, grace to themselves. It was always his intention that through Israel, he would work out his purposes so that all the nations of the the earth were blessed. Because this is what he said to Abraham. I'll make you a great nation, I'll bless you. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the original promise. So God's intention always was not just one nation, but through that one nation, the rest of the world should be blessed. I'm glad that was his intention because we wouldn't be here if it hadn't have been. That's true. It was his purpose to do that. So, where will you, where will you establish the kingdom, Jesus? Where is it going to be? Is it just going to be in Israel, just going to be in this little patch of land that's next to the Mediterranean Sea and between the Dead Sea and the, and the Sea of Galilee? Is it, is it a bit beyond? Is that, is that where it's going to be? No, this is where it's going to be. Here. It's going to be in Afghanistan and Australia and Brazil and Bhutan and Canada and another sea, help me out. (laughs) It is. That's where the kingdom is going to be. We had a visit from the Jehovah's Witnesses yesterday morning. Made a change from the two little ladies who usually came. But this, was, this was a man and he got a little one in, the, in a buggy. And he said, would you like to see a video? I said, not really. But he said, oh, I'll just show it to you. So he showed me a, <laughs> a one and a half minute video on his iPad, you know, and I'm fine. I said, you're Jehovah's Witnesses, aren't you? He said, yes. He said, yes. He said, I said, well, no, no I'm, a, I'm a committed Christian. I think you should know that. I think we're going to, we will disagree about all sorts of things. Oh, I expect we will, he said. And uh, I, I said, but I do admire you going from door to door. And he said, oh, it is hard. It is hard. I said, yeah, I admire you for doing it. He said, of course, you know, we're in every country in the world. I said, that's interesting. I think we are too. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, yes. <laughs> but it's true. That's where the kingdom is. Doesn't matter where you are. That's the kingdom because Jesus said it's to the ends of the earth. Jesus was actually saying the promise that God gave to Abraham is now going to be fulfilled. What Israel has failed to do, you are going to do. Because you're going to be my witnesses. Oh, that leads us on. Who's going to restore the kingdom? Well, Jesus doesn't rule himself out. He doesn't say, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Of course not. He's present with his people. But this is what he says. You will be my witnesses. How's the kingdom going to come? Not with you just sitting back and watching me do everything. But you will be my witnesses. 
That's how the kingdom will grow. You can't build the kingdom. We're never told to build the kingdom, actually. We're told to receive it. We're told to ask for it to come. But through the witness of the church, through the witness of God's people, others will be drawn in. That is how the kingdom will grow. And I know the kingdom's bigger than the church. I understand all that. But that's how it's going to grow. You're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to start in Jerusalem. Start where you are. And then you're going to go out to Judea and Samaria. And, well, let's make the circle bigger. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. That's how we start, folks. That's how the kingdom's going to grow. That's how the gospel of good news is going to spread. That's how the church is going to grow. Let's start where we start where we are. But we have a global vision. We have a vision for this estate. We have a vision for this town. We have a vision for this area where all the places that we live. We have a vision for this county, this part of East Anglia or whatever. But we have a global vision as well. That even Beckles, New Life Christian Fellowship can touch the nations of the world. We can. Yes, we can. That's Jesus' vision. And that's our vision. So where, where, the ends of the earth, how, who, you? Us. Me. I've got one more question though, that didn't quite cover it. How? Because that wasn't really in their question, but how will it happen? What did Jesus say? It's all about the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Like you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We can't do it, folks. I can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can through us. What sort of kingdom? A kingdom of righteousness, good relationship with God, good relationships with each other, a kingdom of peace, Peace with God, peace with one another. A kingdom of joy in the Holy Spirit. Where? All over the world. When will will the fullness come? I don't know. God knows. How? In the power of the Spirit in the power of the Spirit. And I believe, I don't know what's going to be said here next week. Jim's preaching next week. Next week is Pentecost. But we don't have to wait for Pentecost to ask again for the Spirit to fill us. We don't have to wait for Pentecost for people to come walking and leaping and praising God. We don't have to wait for Pentecost for people to get healed, restored, delivered, forgiven, set free, 
Well, you don't have to wait because every day is Resurrection Day, every day is Pentecost Day, every day is a Jesus Day, every day is a day of the Spirit. We can have that now. So, are you up for it? Shall we ask God to fill us so that we don't wait until next week, but that next week we're all filled with the Spirit already and ready for greater things? Wouldn't that be good? It would be good. Let's, let's, let's just stand. And I, I believe that actually we've had, a, we've had a week of prayer for healing. If, you, if you've got a testimony to healing, it would be good to hear it. But if you still need healing, let's claim it. Let's claim it now. And let's just open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and see what he's going to do. I have no clue what's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm not asking that what I experienced last Sunday be replicated. That, that's silly. We don't. God can deal with us as we are, where we are, as we are. That's, that's, that's what he's about. It's the Spirit coming to, to good old staid English people and others here. But that, that's, that's what it's about. But it's about being open. What does the Holy Spirit want to do with me? What does the Holy Spirit want to do with us? How is the Holy Spirit going to lead us on through our, into our Jerusalem, our, our Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? What are you going to do, Holy Spirit? Let's open ourselves to him now and say, come Holy Spirit, we need you. We love you. We want you to come upon us in a new way. We're just a bunch of ordinary folks. We've had different backgrounds, different experiences. We've been through different events over the years of our lives. We've had different things happen to us Lord, we're so different and yet you are the same God for us all. And we say, Holy Spirit, come to us where we are. Not where we think we should be or ought to be, but Lord, come to us where we are now. And we just say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh fall afresh on us we're not looking for experience we're looking for reality we're not looking for man human made things but your gifts your goodness and I pray oh God you will move by the spirit now over this, this people that you will touch lives You'll touch folks that are struggling. That you will, you will restore those that are tired and feeling broken. Receive healing. Receive healing here. That you will come and bless. That you will give new revelation, new understanding. That Lord God, you will, you will come and refresh and renew Lord, I don't want to be like anybody else. I want you to do a unique work so that I am who you want me to be in you. That's our prayer, Lord. Help us to be open to you. Lord, come, Holy Spirit. Come, take the talents that we have. Anoint them. Make them fresh, living, vital. Come, to those of us who are struggling with doubt, fear, wonder what you're doing, even if you're there, 
Make yourself known to us, Lord. Come, Lord, those of us who feel weak and that we haven't got any real talents or gifts to offer. You say to us, yes, you have. Come and anoint us with gifts and grace and goodness. Come upon those who are feeling out of things, not part of things. That spirit of inclusion that we even heard about this morning, come upon us, Lord. Mould us into the body that you want us to be. Come and take us, Lord. Jesus, take me as I am. Holy Spirit, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Take me deeper into you. Spirit of God, unseen, gentle, counsellor, advocate, Spirit of God, come. Come as a dove. Come as a cleansing fire. Come as a rushing wind. Spirit of God. We look up to you, Lord Jesus, now and we worship you. Because it is the, the ministry of the Spirit to glorify Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we want to just praise you for who you are. Jesus, how lovely you are, how glorious. We're open to you, Lord. Take hold of this church. Take hold of this people and do a new thing here. And we honour you, Lord. We give you the glory. You are great. You're worthy of our praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.